Hello and welcome to the EcoSend podcast, a weekly podcast on becoming a climate conscious business. Every week, we'll be interviewing founders, marketers, and leaders who are championing the climate. The podcast is hosted by myself, James Gill, co-founder and CEO of GoSquared and the makers of EcoSend. If you run a business or are responsible for growing one, and you want to have a positive impact on the environment, then listen on. Every episode, our goal is for you to learn something and be inspired to take some action. Every single one of us making small changes and some large changes will add up. We're all in this together. So let's get on with the show. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's meet today's guest. Welcome to another episode of the EcoSend podcast. The EcoSend podcast is a show which we do every week. It's about half an hour each time. And I'm speaking to inspiring people in the world of business, in the world of charity, nonprofits, and people just trying to make the world a little bit better in their own ways. Each episode, I think I, I definitely always learn something new. And from what I hear, a lot of you listeners also learn something new. And this week's episode, I'm thrilled to be talking to someone I've known for quite a while and have always been inspired by. So I'm so excited to have him on the show. And that is Tom Hardy of Manifesto Studios. So Tom is the founder of Manifesto and they're a branding and communications experts with a growth mindset. Tom works as an executive creative director, collaborating with visionary leadership teams and on projects making a positive impact to people's lives. He's been doing this for over 20 years and he's created some award-winning work with ambitious global brands, of many of which you will definitely have heard of, designing innovative solutions which power change. And Tom has been doing lots of exciting stuff with the agency, but also in his personal life. So I'm really excited to tuck into a lot of topics here. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thanks, James. I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Very well, yourself. Awesome. Yeah, I'm doing okay. I, I am based in Edinburgh today. You are not. You're not in Edinburgh. You're not even in London. You, whereabouts are you right now, Tom? I'm currently in Dharamshala, which is in North India. But we're having the heaviest monsoon in 55 years. So, well, actually, the only time I've been to Edinburgh, it was in blazing sunshine. So I hope you're blessed with that at the moment. That's that one day they talk about uh, still from back in the <laughs> 90s, right? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm fascinated by, well, how you've even gotten over to India and what you're up to over there. I guess there's a lot to unpack on that side. Maybe often a big starting point we often talk to, often chat through on the show is um, obviously for us, we're talking a lot about the climate we're talking a lot about sustainability for you tom how how have you gotten into the world of sustainability and where did this whole journey start it'd be lovely to hear a bit about your your story so far and and what what your background is of course i i grew up in in the kent countryside and i think um, that left a real impression with me apart from not liking it as a teenager, not being able to wait to, to get to uh, university in the city. <laughs> but the, there's something that it just felt very normal about having nature and countryside as far as the eye could see. And then I spent 20 years in London. And it's quite interesting now being in the, the foothills of the Himalayas in, <laughs> in North India. And a little bit that's, different. It, it really is, but that sort of craving for, for, for nature has felt important. 
and you know in, in what feels like a past life uh, when i when i'm working full time i actually had the, the pleasure to work in a couple of world leading corporate social responsibility strategy and design companies and so it was very interesting to learn about how companies would communicate and also the different ways that uh, corporate social responsibility and ESG were used by, by companies. And it was very interesting when you're working on strategies and, and communications. Some companies are very clearly greenwashing. There's, and we don't need to, you know, label or make judgments here. But, but there are some other people making very meaningful change. And I remember working on Marks and Spencer's Plan A strategy at one of these companies. And it was so interesting that they were really putting sustainability front and center, not of, of their business plan, because they saw very early on that it was you know, fundamental to business success rather than just something that they should do as a, as a tick box exercise. Mm. And that felt really compelling to me. And it, and it was very interesting that I could notice um, at quite a young age, the difference between people who would, were actually trying to make a difference and other people who clearly it felt a bit uncomfortable for me and it felt like they weren't actually doing what they were really saying they were doing and i just noticed that feeling inside and that kind of inspired me later on down the line to set up my own company and work with people who are thought were really passionate about what they were doing and trying to make a positive impact that's really interesting so you actually got to see from like the inside of these boardrooms or these internal discussions at some really big brands whether you know whether there's a really cynical approach to being a good company or or you know a cynical approach to what we say to the world or a genuine heartfelt from the from within Mm -hmm. this isn't something we have to do it's something we, we maybe want to do and that's what drove you to then want to work with more of the companies that are doing the latter rather than the former <laughs> yeah exactly and, and you know i'll be very honest that the motivation was 50 percent quite selfish because i thought okay if i'm going to do something every day I, I want to be passionate about it and if i want to get out of bed and and really put you know for the rest of my life i was thinking you know i was thinking about this when i was sort of 21 22 <laughs> you know get out That's of quite... university and get out of <laughs> university and and suddenly you're you're going in every day to this one place, working really long hours, spending more time with work colleagues than my girlfriend at the time. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and you, you, yeah. you start to kind of build up a picture of what you want to do. And, you know, it took a number of years and I, you know, I really relished the experiences that I had with some really wonderful companies and amazing designers and strategists. But it just sort of led me to think, okay, well, for me, what's authentic for me? Like, how do I want to show up in the world? And who do I want to work with? What's going to inspire inspire me? Because there was a feeling that we're only really going to do our best if it's something that is it, like a, a deep kind of compulsion or a, a deep passion that it's connected with. And for me, finding that root cause of what I'm passionate about led, led um, firstly choosing what agency I started to work at when I was a consultant and a, and a freelance design director. And then when I realized there was nothing that quite fit what I wanted to do, deciding to set up Manifesto Studios about 12 years ago. That's, well, that's incredible. I guess it's, it's incredibly fortunate that you both sort of had the realization so early on and also, I guess, the ability to pick a path like that. I guess many people are scrambling around just trying to get whatever 
job they can get in in the world of incredibly competitive world trying to work at one of these valuable hugely impactful brands or working on any campaigns like that so that that's yeah pretty inspiring to hear that you know you made those decisions and started that journey so early tom would that be something that you'd say you know anyone out there like if they're in that kind of similar position in their early 20s any thoughts on how they could try and step in the right direction on that would it be about thinking about yourself and your what matters to you first or would it be trying to seek out experience at some of these bigger brands i don't know like i'm I'm curious what you would say to the younger tom right now if you could look back and advise him <laughs> yeah thank you it's a, it's a good question i speak to quite a lot of people sort of gen z and, and quite a bit younger and my experience has been that generally and wonderfully they're, they're actually quite confident and much more purpose aligned than than perhaps my generation was. right yeah um which is a really wonderful thing. So, so for me, I think it's a balance between it's wonderful to get experience in, in, in companies and really soak up as much as you can, but also never think that you're not worthy just because who you are. Mm. <laughs> and, and I think that very often, I think there's a real, hopefully this will change. My feeling is it's changing slowly but there's a sense that you have to submit to what the company wants. Mm. And I think that's very dangerous position to be in, whether it's, I don't know, this conditioning that you have to work really long hours. And I'm, you know, I've always had to check myself because I've got a very strong work ethic, but you know, it's really important that companies put people first, but actually it's really important that the employees know how to value themselves and have boundaries about what is and isn't acceptable. And so I think it's, really understanding more and more what, what you value as an employee, as an in-person, as a human. <laughs> and, you know, you might find that a company isn't right and they might have a great reputation, but yeah. actually there might not be a connect there. And I think being brave to realize that it's a relationship. And I think it's lovely to think about work as a relationship. And relationships are a two-way thing. And mm-hmm. it's not always perfect and we have to work at it. But, but if broadly speaking, you're aligned about what you're in a relationship for, there, there's a, a compelling reason why you're together, then wonderful. But also not to be afraid of breaking it if it's better for you and perhaps better for them if it's not the right fit. And I think people get quite scared. And, you know, I think knowing that the more we do things that we're aligned with, we'll do a better job and be better is only positive for your career and positive as you as a person that's been my experience yeah yeah i think those those are very very profound words tom incredibly good advice for yeah no i'm taking that on board myself but let alone uh, for someone earlier in their career like you you it's so easy to get distracted and caught up in the excitement of a big name or what other people think and and making sure that you come back to what, what you yourself think and I guess that that kind of takes us on to one of our topics I know we wanted to talk about, which is around being purpose driven, which is a kind of a phrase, a term that gets banded around a lot, um, maybe carelessly or maybe without much thought. And so a lot of what you're talking about there sounds like being clear on what you care about, what your purpose is, maybe. So what does purpose driven, what does being purpose driven really mean? for you, Tom? 
It's yeah, it's it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because it is, it feels like purpose has been rounded around, especially over the last few years. Mm. And f- for for me, it's about it really is about authenticity, because you know there are those companies that that um, it, on all on all different sectors where greenwashing is a thing. And, you know, there there are worse things to be. I think it's it can be helpful for the conversation, but. I think it, authenticity is really important. You know, we were speaking about from an employee perspective, and 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 that feels really important. Um, but it's also important for for founders and leadership teams. If you're if you're trying to do something that you're not aligned with, well, you're not going to convince anyone in the company, and you've got no chance of convincing anyone outside the company, really. So, I think getting back to, you know, Simon Sinek talks about the why. You know, like getting back to the why you exist, and you know, we, we should be able to stand behind that why and and being able to, to do things that are, you know, for something positive. You know, even if, and, and I think that's in all sectors, like even if it's, you know, working in the, the finance sector, well, wonderful, we can still do it with, uh, you know, it's an important part of our current global ecosystem, but there are ways to do it that are more supportive for people and, and there are ways to do it that are less supportive. So, I don't think it's necessarily needs to be for, you know, I don't know, like people planting trees and like digging holes in the ground. Like mm. we, there's always an opportunity to to have a positive impact. Mm. Um, it, it reminds me, actually, I remember, you know, at university, there's this real stigma out culturally still about, say, oil companies and certain organizations. And I remember I was freelancing and I was running out of money and I had an opportunity to do a job with someone I really liked to be a strategist on a film project. But the project was for like, let's call them like an oil company, Mm. basically. And I was really unsure. So I kind of went for the meeting and it it turned out that it was all about renewable energy. And there was the person running it was an evangelist in this company trying to make change his kind of status was or or his his kind of standpoint was look the only way we're gonna make change is if we're sitting around the big boys and girls table educating them about how to do things the right way and that was so inspiring to me because I had this preconception about that that doesn't feel right and, and that is right and it just helped to open my mind to realize that with every project there's an opportunity to you know, perhaps change someone's mind or, or, or collaborate to have a positive impact. Um, yeah. and, and that was really inspiring to me. Like, and I think purpose is a very personal thing. It's important we do things that, you know, perhaps some of the things that I do might not feel right for someone else, but we can only operate on, on, on kind of our values. And as long as we're strong and clear on those, then, you know, sometimes I think just doing our best is an already an amazing, positive way to show up in the world. Yeah, that's... It's incredibly inspiring to hear actually Tom and it also sort of emphasizes that you know often it's so easy to judge a book by the cover and judge a whole organization as this one one entity with one opinion about everything and the reality is often in in any organization there are pockets of people with certain views and certain goals and desires and I guess as a leader it's like trying to pull everyone towards a shared purpose and often is a challenge but but yeah it's like even in companies that people view as bad there's that doesn't mean everyone at that company has that same view and that they're not actively trying to change from within and finding those people and seeking them out can often be 
one a, a great way to make change in the world. Did you end up working on the project? Oh, I'm interested. <laughs> I did for a little bit, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, there's, there's uh, I was pleased to do it because I've got that life lesson. I think yeah. I've had other opportunities where, you know, of companies that really didn't have, I wasn't personally aligned with at all, like yeah. in the very early days. Yeah. And I remember pitching for one particular fast food company very early when I started the company. And, and knowing that it was like, I don't want to do this, but I'm, I'm nervous, like I, I need to pay people. And fortunately, I didn't get the job. Um, but it was really interesting just to realize, I don't know, it was a very honest thing. I was like, well, for me now, like resources of paying, the t my biggest purpose is supporting the team. Mm. And I, I can kind of crush my personal values at the time <laughs> to do that. You know, it, it also taught me what I was able to accept and not accept later on down the line. And, you know, I kind of stayed I stuck to my guns and slowly and surely, the more work you do is of a, a particular flavor, encourages more and more people that also yeah. like that flavor. And so I've been graced with working with some wonderful people. And, you know, I look at who I'm working with now, there's no one more I prefer to be working with, you know, so working with like the London School of Economics on a really cutting edge social impact accelerator and, mm. and a company called 60 Decibels who have spun out of Acumen who really pioneering social impacts measurement and change around the world and mm. um, I'm so inspired by them and I think that's what's motivating for me you know like they're they're the visionaries but if I can help them to communicate in ways that really helps them to, to show up in the world I think I think you know it, it's wonderful to be a small piece of piece of the puzzle absolutely it's it's definitely an interesting thing you touched on there around often the the work you do and the clients you choose or that you bring on board leads to more of the same unless there's like a deliberate effort to go in a certain direction like you know you sort of just this one or just this one project just this one client that won't you know I've got to do that for now and the danger I think often a lot of people face in all walks of life where like you sort of trying to balance those short-term survival almost versus long-term mm -hmm. the ideal the ideal outcome and the ideal path and always a difficult a difficult balance I, I guess for for anyone listening to this thinking maybe panicking that they haven't found clarity of what their purpose should be yet do you for either themselves or their business do you have any thoughts on how how one could push towards more clarity there Tom yeah, it's a question that I've asked myself quite a lot over the over the years. And I, I remember being in this masterclass on a lecture that I was listening to as a, an attendee. And it was talking how it's really important, as a founder, it's important to have different personal values compared to the organizational values and about how we are not our company. And I completely disagreed. <laughs> 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 I, I really understood the logic because it's about, you know, creating safe boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, I, you know, the, 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 the term life-work balance has always bugged me. I think it's an oxymoron. I think the danger is that life, if it's like work-life balance, it, it becomes about, well, this is acceptable because this is work and it isn't my life. My life is over here. I can do this thing that, that's not me and it's okay because, you know, this is my life. Well, I disagree. It's all life. 
and and it, it's not to say that that we all need to have the you know we all need to have like fantastical jobs that are that are you know changing the the world. I don't think that's true. You can you know you can have a very clear purpose about you know I'm providing for my family and I'm a, a bus driver and that's beautiful. But if there's so much clarity and acceptance that he approaches it with 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 joy and and that th th there's no tension there. And I think that's a, a beautiful way to live. I think the problem in if we want to change things or we're doing something that we're not clear about our purpose and then that the tension and inaction is the problem. So, so for me, slowly finding it is about just exploring what our values are. And I thought I knew my values. And I spoke to a friend of mine called Chisha, who's, who's great kind of business founder, kind of coach person who's really wonderful and we were discussing it together she's a friend of mine and you know it was very clear to her that i had no idea what my values were mm. i enjoyed yoga and mm -hmm. i wanted to do purpose-driven work but i'd neglected so many other things and we kind of went and explored them together and i realized that i cared about you know, um, relationships like romantic mm -hmm. and you know friend relationships i cared about freedom and adventure and spaciousness in life and, and when i kind of realized that it helped me to give all of them equal time and so suddenly overworking became something that was no longer acceptable because it was it was an equal part you know i've never been more passionate about work not at the neglect of a, you know my relationship with my partner or, or my friends yeah. or spaciousness you know so time blocking like time off started to become something that became important to me. So that's something that I just learned to check in with my values and what they are slowly and surely and, and also allow them to change because I think that they can change over time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have to admit, I agree so much with what you're saying there, Tom, because, well, I have to admit for me, a, long, a while ago, I, I had immense skepticism around defining one's values. I always thought it seemed mm. a bit airy-fairy and, you know, maybe it is what someone does on a yoga retreat, but how does that influence <laughs> my day-to-day? -day? Well, I've got work to do, I've got stuff to do, bills to pay. Um, but I think, you know, especially if there's anyone listening who sort of has that viewpoint right now, I would certainly challenge it to think that, like, if you don't get clear with that yourself, then I think you sort of allow the wider world to dictate it to you. And, and there's a danger I think I found earlier on in my life, in my career, that like you, I found myself wanting the things that other people sort of said that I should want and be valued and that, you know, these anonymous sort of people that matter a lot think. And if you can get clear on what makes you happy and what, what you're passionate about, then it's very hard to be affected by these externalities too much or these, you know, these other voices that can drag you down so much. It's, it's almost like a superpower once you can clarify that for yourself because you can feel a lot better about choices you make, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I really, I really agree with that. And for me, I've just learned, you know, it's really interesting. If you think about what today's founders of unicorn startups <laughs> Are kind of the new rock stars in mm. society mm. like yeah, the, yeah. the the you know social media startups or the elon musk you know the, the people that are doing innovative things that are scaling rapidly worth billions 
they're kind of like that's kind of seen as success in society and really interestingly having met a few of, of these people it's very different from people who i would say are, are feeling very content in, in their life mm -hmm. i think they might be doing amazing things in in their job from like a doing perspective but it might not there might not be a sense of peace or actual real joy and i think that's that's really telling mm -hmm. and exactly as you said if if we spend all of our lives doing things for external reasons and with social conditioning, then it's only gonna, it's only because it's from a place of lack, it's only gonna lead to disappointment. Mm. Whereas if we slowly realize and start to unpack like who we are, how we show up, how we want to show up in the world, mm. well then suddenly we can have all the enthusiasm in the world and all the empowerment, but with less attachment to the outcome. Mm. And I think mm. that's a really interesting tension that I'm learning more and more. So like I've never been more enthusiastic, but learning that, that there's so much outside of our control and, and to just learn the wisdom of impermanence and the fact that we can't, we can never control anything, which <laughs> is a difficult lesson to learn as a very front brain founder early on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tom, I feel like we, we, we could speak all day and I, I'm conscious of trying to keep us vaguely with time cool. for the episode. I, I was curious, there's, I guess, two more, maybe two or three more things to talk through. Maybe quickly touching, I think we've already touched on a few, but any of the challenges that, I know you wanted to talk about some of the challenges that you've faced and that people face either as founders, but also as employees when it comes to being purpose-driven and if you if there's anything else you want to expand on there around around that because I, I was thinking challenges when you're running a company and and how you bring that purpose to every, everyone and make sure you, you factor that in but as an employee as well I guess yeah it's something that I've found important to consider over the years um, obviously you know, as an employee as well as a founder there's financial pressure I found workload pressure about you but there's so many founders that i know that have you know burned out or been very close i've definitely been close perhaps that's just i'm in denial and there was a point where i did burn out you know well-being pressure like how do you look after yourself um as, as well as being in a city i think i found london uh, such an amazing experience but a very finely balanced equation and you know covid for me was very interesting because i realized that i couldn't quite get the equation to balance and that led me to, to live more in nature and realize that that was um, something that was important to me. Um, I looked at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and sort of addressed how to create the conditions that helped me to really support what my purpose was. So that was really helpful for me. Mm. And I guess the biggest thing about to overcome challenging has been, you know, to try and get us out of that conditioning, just not being scared to give ourselves permission for the dream to change. And, and not being, you know, not being afraid to just show up and be ourselves and, and to just follow things that just make us feel more and more alive. <laughs> that's some pretty good, that's some pretty good advice for any, for myself or anyone listening, I think, Tom. I know in the, in the last few minutes we have maybe on any, anything you, any views you have on the future. I know we always like to talk about it on the show. There's a lot to be down about, but there's a lot to be optimistic about. But what do you think we're going to see? especially around this whole topic of being purpose-driven over, over the next 10, 20, 30, maybe our 30 years, maybe our lifetimes, like, is purpose-driven a fad? Is it a 
trend? Is it a, something we'll be talking about in 20, 30 years? What do you think? Yeah, I love sort of contemplating these questions. And <laughs> I'm an optimistic realist, for sure. <laughs> There's something called the Eldman Trust Barometer, which is very interesting. And it kind of analyzes government, well, like society and what's kind of happening. And Eldman says that distrust is now society's default emotion. Um, you know, fake news, governments and media fueling a cycle of distrust, collapse of trust in democracies. But at the same time, there's more capital and research and technology and innovation than ever before. So it really gives us optimism for the future. And, and then if we look on the capital side, you know, by, by 2030, women expected to become the primary investment decision makers for two thirds of wealth. Like, that's amazing change. And, you know, my friend calls a lot of boardrooms at the moment, male, pale and stale. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a very particular demographic. And, you know, whilst there are some boards of that demographic are doing wonderful things, logic suggests that if there's a more diverse, you know, racially and gender equality, the chances are that they're going to better serve society better to serve their, their companies and so i think there's an amazing opportunity for companies to break the cycle of mistrust and and to really get back to living you know fearlessly from a place of authenticity um because you know life life's too, too short not to yeah absolutely that's quite a bit there to, uh, to look forward to then tom thank you for uh, making me a bit more optimistic as i head into my afternoon <laughs> Last but not least, Tom, just in terms of, you've already shared so much that could be taken as, as wonderful advice. I know you wanted to specifically touch on a few things. I didn't know if you want to just leave us with any, any wise words or advice you've been either given or uh, absorbed over the, over the years. Be good. Mm, I think for, for me, it's just continuing to get back to learning what we really value and living authentically from that place and not trying to be anyone else or wherever society says that we should be. Mm -hmm. The more and more we step into that place, my experience has been there's, there's more and more freedom. And that place of freedom and empowerment is a, is a really wonderful place to show up in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Tom, it, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, honestly <laughs> what a lovely show and what a lovely way to round off for anyone listening I, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have because it's been great I could hear you talk all day Tom <laughs> uh, wishing you all the best with the, the projects you're working on right now and enjoying India as well if anyone wants to learn more about you Tom or learn more about the work you're doing maybe even want to speak about working with you in the future, where, where's the best place to, to find you? Is it the, the Manifesto website? Yeah, sure. Always interested in people working on interesting projects and having a conversation. Um, if they go to manifesto-studios.com, um, you can find a link on there. And um, yeah, it'll be always lovely to have conversations with people. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Uh, maybe walking in the Himalayas as well, if you bump into, in, into Tom, then uh, <laughs> yeah, say hi absolutely. to me. <laughs> thank you, Tom. My pleasure as always. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you for listening to the show. As always, if you have enjoyed listening or watching, please do let us know. We love to hear your, your kind comments. We love to hear all of your comments, but especially the kind ones. So yeah, thank you for uh, listening. And uh, yeah, Tom, thank you. And I'll see you soon. Thanks, James.